Welcome to G-Swag Money with your host, the G-Swag. Alrighty guys, uh, welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to talk about when simple math is wrong, and so I'm going to try to help y'all look through uh, the analysis of a big purchase and why, again, when we look at math too simply, we often can come to the wrong conclusion. So when you ask that age-old question, when am I going to use this math right now, right? When I figure out what do I buy or not buy so that I can become better off and give myself financial freedom for the future. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read y'all a scenario. And it's this family and they're, they're talking to a, a person trying to sell them a timeshare. And, and I know timeshares have gotten a bad rap and uh, for good reason, but this it, insert anything other than a timeshare in here, anything it, it could be to something that's expensive. And so the salesperson tells them it's simple math. $100,000 is less than 150,000. It's like earning a free 50,000. So again, this couple was being pitched a timeshare. Our salesperson was offering a value proposition she thought was unbeatable. If we paid $100,000 for this timeshare, We'd save roughly 150,000. Again, it's a little bit of a roundup, but again, roughly 150,000 in lodging costs over the next 20 years. And so, what I'm about to tell you is that $100,000 is more than $150,000, which probably sounds pretty stupid right now, but I'm going to explain why that's right. So, again, this. This timeshare salesman, they, they were looking in, so this $150,000, right? They were looking into the, the cost for this family. And so what they did is they looked at their typical vacation cost. And so this family usually vacationed about three weeks a year. And their average hotel price is about $150. And so they looked at the lodging. It was about $3,150 for the year. And then they, they figured in inflation and they figured the other costs uh, during their average vacation and so they ended up coming up with 144150 is how much they would spend on vacations over the next 20 years. So that's where the $150,000 comes from. So when I say 100000 is greater than $150,000, i am saying the timeshare costs $100,000. They would spend $150,000 over the next 20 years in vacation costs. And again, I'm going to be here to explain to you why $100K is worth more than $150K. So let's get into it. All right. We know that inflation reduces the value of money in future years. So again, that's why uh, you know you get cost of living adjustments at work. So typically, right, $100 a year from now might only purchase the same as 98 today, which makes $100 today inherently more valuable. But inflation is the wrong metric to look at in a situation like this. Now, is inflation real? Obviously, it is. And I'm not saying we shouldn't look at it at all, but that's missing the larger point here. So what we're going to talk about is how do I make the money I do have make more money for me? And so if we look at the standard and poor's 500, and we've talked about that a little bit in class, right? That is an index, which is just basically something that is tracking the change in value of the 500 largest companies in the United States. And so again, over the last hundred years, roughly now, I will say that this, uh, the, data I'm going over. It's a couple years old, so it, but it's still close to this. Um, so maybe a little bit higher than this now. 
uh, but again, averaging 7% annually after inflation. So I've given you some higher numbers, but this is an after inflation number. So again, 7%. And again, the big deal here, guys, is average. So to get 7%, you didn't have to invest in Amazon in 98, which is good because y'all weren't alive. <laughs> so maybe for y'all, the better apt example is you didn't have to invest in Netflix right when it came out. I think Netflix is up like 7,000% since its IPO. Uh, you didn't have, you don't have to figure out which company is going to come out with the coronavirus um, uh, vaccine. You don't have to figure that out. So if you if you do, let me know. <laughs> we'll get real rich together. But anyway, um, I don't have to figure out any of that. All I need to do is invest in an index fund, and I have the ability again uh, in the past hundred years to get about seven percent return. So this means you don't need to be brilliant in investing. You don't need to do anything special. You just need to invest in an index fund. So again, these index funds, you know, again, I personally, when I was y'all's age, I invested in a thing called VFIAX, which actually happens to track the S&P 500. And so I've gotten um, mine, since it's not over 100 years, mine's actually higher than the 7% return. I think it's... Uh, I believe the last time I checked it, I think it's closer to like a 9% return. But anyway, um, this is what that timeshare salesperson didn't get. She was ignoring what's called the time value of money. You may remember that from Algebra 1, or some of you may have gotten in Algebra 2, but that time value of money, uh, she was forgetting that. So yes, if that family had put their money under the mattress, she was right, but that's not the only choice that you have. And so here's the, the great math. So if they were going to spend a hundred grand on that timeshare, if they instead chose to just keep going on vacations and put that hundred K they had saved up for the timeshare and put that down in the market, what would happen? So if you remember the timeshare was going to cost a hundred and that was good. And it was going to cost them 150 to go on these vacations. So that's a savings of 50,000. But if I put that 100000 and I let it go for the 20 years that we're using for the $150,000 vacation expense calculation, at the end of that 20 years, that $100,000 would have grown to $386,968 before taxes. So again, they would have almost quadrupled the amount they had, went from 100 to 386000 And so... If we look at this, I know it's going to be kind of hard. It's over a podcast, but just to kind of think about, right, that 100,000 growing at 7%, right, year one, it's at the end of year one, it's 107, 114, 122, 131, 140, 150, 160, 171, just keeps growing. So by year 10, it's at 196. By year 15, it's 275,000. Again, by year 20, it's 386,000. 968. But we got to do a few more calculations because, of course, there are taxes. And we're assuming here a 15% long-term capital gains rate. Now, one caveat with this, again, if Biden is elected, he is proposing an increase to these numbers. So again, the, the taxes might be a little bit low here for us in the future, depending on who's elected president um, and how changes to that happen over time. Uh, because obviously neither Trump nor Biden will be president 20 years from now. 
Uh, so again, 15% long-term capital gains rate. And so um, again, the highest rate is 20%, but this person was assuming for their family that they would not be at the, the highest bracket, uh, which would be again, uh, close to like the $500,000 range. So very high income. So after that tax, um, and that tax is about $58,000, that 386 would turn in um, to about 184,000. Um, or sorry, well, sorry, 328,000, my apologies. And so after the lodging costs, which the actual lodging costs, remember 144,000, then we rounded to 150. So the total profit was 184,773. So the idea here being, if you had, again, bought the timeshare, you would have $184,000 less than they do today because they didn't buy the timeshare and they invested it in the market. So it wasn't a savings of 50,000 by buying the timeshare, it was a loss of 184,000. And all of that is because, right, this time, time value of money, this compounding interest that we're able to tap into. So again, some things that look like a good idea on the face, we gotta look a little deeper and that's where mathematical reasoning and understanding can come out and benefit y'all greatly because most people don't think about it like this. They would see that, oh, save 50 grand, that's great. Now, before we get too excited, what's the big catch with this? What'd the person do? Well, they invested the money. So again, what we wanna make sure with this as well is that if you don't do the things that we're talking about, you won't get the results. So uh, this next thing we're gonna talk about is again, this works if you're smart about it. So let's change the scenario. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna create a, a travel fund with that 100K. And we're gonna pull from that for the next 20 years to pay for our lodging. So in that past example, I'm saying, we put 100K in the stock market, and then we're gonna pay for the lodging with some other money that we're making. Now here, we're using that same money to pay for lodging and investing it. So we got a few issues. We're going to, again, pay for our hotels out of this fund that we're investing in. But, again, I don't want to invest anything that I'm going to use within the next five years, which means I can't put all of my money in the market and to keep some of it in cash or something very close to cash. And so what that does is that reduces the uh, return I'm going to get. So we're going to assume for this next one we get about 4.5% return because, again, we can't put it all in the market. We're going to put some of it in the market. Uh, but we don't want to put it all in because, again, we don't know when a market downturn is going to happen. Again, let's all be honest with ourselves in January, who, which of y'all saw COVID happening? I'm going to guess zero. If uh, you did, I wish you would have told me it was going to be this bad because um, I would have gotten out of the market right then and got back in uh, in April and been uh, really going gangbusters. But anyway, that 4.5%, so... If we use that math, we're actually still going to end up ahead in this scenario, but not by as much. So if we get the 4.5% return instead of 7%, we have roughly $8,000 more um, than we did instead of a, a, it was like roughly 185000 in our last game. It was 184 something. So again, but we still are better off, but it's a lot closer. And so there's three reasons for this. Again, one is the rate, 4.5% instead of 7%. That reduces our gains by 146,000. And 
it may seem crazy that going from seven to four and a half changes it that much, but just losing that compounding that those couple percents for that many years adds up to a lot. So when you've heard me talk about fees taking away one to two percent of your return, something like this, this S and P 500 index fund will be very low fees that it eats up into your uh, return. But that's not really part of this situation. So the other thing is that we are withdrawing money from the fund every year, which means we have a loss of capital. So in the scenario number one, that's the other thing that adjusted is that we had 100,000 in it the entire time growing. But in this scenario, we're pulling it out to pay for hotels so we don't have as much invested. And so not only do we get a lower rate, we're having a lower rate on a lower principal amount, which is also affecting that. And then, I mean, that constitutes for a loss of about 58,000 there. And then we also have taxes to pay. Now the taxes are less because we had less money, uh, but they are definitely a thing. And then they hurt us a little bit worse here because the taxes come throughout the 20 years, not just at the end. So again, here, uh, we pay capital gains taxes each year. If we go with that same 15%, um, again, we're paying it year over year over year, reducing our principal amount, as we talked about in the second issue. And again, uh, we pay about $30,000 in taxes. And so when you put it all together, right, if, if we go back to the last year, we had 386000 that we made, subtract lodging of 144 subtract taxes now of 30 subtract the uh, lost investment gains, from the previous example of 145, um, and then our subtract our yearly withdrawals of 58, we have a total profit now of 8,375. So again, we're still better off, but not by nearly um, as much. So again, the bigger picture here, the more money you can keep in the market, the longer you can keep it there, it's gonna bring fantastic results for you. And um, if you can do it right, but that means staying in the market, Investing in something diversified like an S&P 500 index fund or something like that. Um, and then the other thing to remember is that some of y'all are going to choose to do to buy things that have the opposite effect of this, something like a mortgage. So all these great gains I've been talking about, uh, a mortgage does the same thing but in reverse, where it takes it away from you. Uh, credit cards even worse. Notice we said the market was 7% after inflation. Again, credit card average interest rate, which is not adjusting for inflation, but still, even if it did, it would still be much higher. Again, roughly 16 to 20% is what you're looking at. So it can really take away uh, from what you've got. So again, all those different scenarios can change the dynamic of this analysis. But guys, I hope you've, the big takeaway here is that if you're too simplistic in your mathematics when you're looking at what to buy, you may not get the right answer. I mean, think about this. This family would have chosen to buy the timeshare. They would be worse off by $184,000. And guys, that is nothing to scoff at. That's a lot of money. And again, the difference is good decision making. So make sure uh, when you're doing this, uh, making these big decisions, make sure you're going into it with the proper decision making. Alrighty, thank y'all for listening today. The G Swag is out.